So before we start today, I just wanted to frame our practice in, in the framework of wise reflection, because it was a very important um, matter that was brought up yesterday that I think everyone should understand, that wise reflection is a part of uh, the practices and the teachings that the Buddha handed down. There are many wise reflections, just to name a few, There's a reflection on death. There's a reflection on the 32 parts of the body. There's a reflection on generosity, the reflection on eating, the reflection on loving kindness, on compassion, the reflection on the 10 perfections or the 10 paramis. And so uh, this is directed thought. It's called wise reflection. The Pali words for it are Yoniso Manisikara. And so um, I think this a lot was the, the acknowledgement of the fact that as human beings, we think. That's the way it is. We think. And when we can direct our thinking, it leads to wisdom. It leads to freedom. So it isn't a matter of just letting our thoughts go here and there, which we are uh, training in with Vipassana to just notice where the thoughts are happening and not getting caught in the thoughts. In a way, this is also this is an emptying of the mind, but we see that the mind still becomes filled over and over again. At times, uh, we see that Sometimes there's an absence of thought, but thought still comes into the mind. So with these practices that we do, the Brahma-Vihara practices, we are intentionally directing our thoughts because thoughts have power. Intention has power. The intention to turn the mind, to uh, incline the mind towards what is wholesome. And intention usually includes conceptual thinking. It does always include conceptual thinking. So I just wanted to read something from the Buddha's words. And he's talking about Yoniso Manisikara, wise reflection. This is the forerunner and precursor of the rising of the sun, that is, the dawn. So too, this is the forerunner and precursor of the arising of the seven factors of enlightenment, that is, wise reflection. When one is accomplished in wise reflection, it is to be expected that one will develop and cultivate the seven factors of enlightenment. And so, also one of the great scholars, Buddhist scholars, Payuto, writes, This is a mental factor that assists in the birth of wisdom and is consequently of great importance in Vipassana. In Vipassana, Yoniso Manisikara is a singularly important step on the path of wisdom, and is thus an essential principle of the Dharma. Yoniso Manisikara directly precedes wisdom. It is that which paves the way for wisdom, or opens up a space in which wisdom can mature. It acts as a link between mindfulness and wisdom, sati and panya. It is that which guides the stream of thought, in such a way that wisdom is able to get down to work and achieve results. 
It is that which provides wisdom with its method. It is a skillful means employed in the efficacious use of wisdom. As the term is commonly used, it implies both reflection and wisdom. In other words, wise reflection. So, the words I use for it are inclining the mind towards the wholesome. And when the mind is in uh, wholesome states, wisdom is easier to access. So this is a tool we can use in our lives, and you, you may find that sometimes uh, it comes in handy. So I wanted to lay out how, again, how we use the practice so that um, those of you who might be having a challenging time with it can understand it in ways where I, if I give an example, uh, another kind of example, you may understand more clearly. So in the practice that I'm sharing with you, there are two ways where we want to bring the inclining of the mind towards equanimity. One way is where we bring up a subject matter or a person and we incline the mind towards equanimity about that person or about that person's situation. So the person that you may bring up, somebody asks specifically, what kind of person do we bring up? This is a person who bugs you, basically. Bring that kind of a person up. I mean, maybe that will help because then you can notice something inside of you that needs to, where we need to develop equanimity around. So maybe this kind of person or this person triggers something inside of you or activates something inside of you. For me... Perhaps this is a person that I'm judging all the time. I don't like this person. This person bugs me sometimes, and I'm exaggerating it a bit. And um, if I see this person, judging comes up in the mind, or um, it may not be about this person, but about this person's lifestyle, something around the situation of this person. So... Maybe you have that kind of person in your life. Um, does anybody not have that kind of person in their life? <laughs> and if you don't have that kind of person in your life, then you're probably enlightened already. So um, if you can actually admit that you still have judging going on, then this is a kind of practice that might be beneficial to you. So you bring that person up in your mind. And the first person you bring up may be not a person that bugs you so much, but that you kind of have some niggling, your heart kind of, you know, has some trigger to it and you, it closes down or you notice that when you're around that person, um, you just have these thoughts about, you know, he's a jerk or (laughs) whatever it is, the thoughts that go through your mind. So this is the kind of person you would bring up. 
It may not be that serious. It could be just somebody that you feel uncomfortable around. So you bring that person up and then you just acknowledge that that is so. You don't have to think about why that person is that way, what the psychological um, inferences are about that person or analyze it at all. You just acknowledge that 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 is so about that person. And the words you use to develop equanimity about that person are the words that you see when, or you understand that when you say them to yourself, your heart feels more relaxed. You feel a little more balanced around that person. So for me, it would be when I bring up this person or this person's situation, I would say in a very matter-of-fact way, and this isn't even on the cushion, this happens in my life, well, that's the way that person is. That's the nature of that person's life, of that person's personality. This is how it is for this person right now. And so what that phrase does is it is a wise understanding for me to say, open up to the fact that it is that way for this person right now. Instead of denying or not accepting, it just helps me to accept that person. And it may be that you hel- it helps you accept that person per se, just as he or she is. Or it may be that it helps you accept the situation that that person is in or the situation that seems to kind of revolve around that person all the time. So I say this all the time with people that are close to me. This is their journey. I do what I can to help them have an easier journey, but mostly I just have to accept this is your journey right now in life. So that's the first part or one of the parts, and maybe that's the most outstanding part for you. And the second part could be turning your attention towards what you are experiencing inside. Maybe that's what stands out for you more. It's not so much about that person as it is around the reactivity you have in your heart. And so you turn the attention towards specifically towards that reactivity, towards that judging nature that is the default setting of your mind and heart. And you say with a lot of soft, accepting balance, this is the way it is in my heart right now. So it's learning how to accept with balance the outer situation and learning how to accept with balance the inner situation. So equanimity is applied in both ways, outwardly and inwardly. You may choose to stay with one way and not turn towards inwardly or vice versa. So it's it's up to you. This um, inclining of the mind towards equanimity is the deconditioning of the opposite of it, reactivity. 
So when the mind is reactive, we come to notice it more easily without a lot of uh, what we call maybe the third arrow. The first arrow is just judging what's happening outwardly. The second arrow is the pain of the judging, you know, just feeling that pain inside. Then there can be a third arrow of really feeling bad about that judging. So it can go on and on and on if we don't catch it somewhere. So this is the wise reflection, the directing of our thoughts towards uh, a thought, an understanding that is wise, that leads us to some kind of uh, freedom, even if it's momentary. And in time, that will become the natural activity of the mind, instead of the natural activity being judging, not liking, criticizing, preferring, clinging to the way we think it should be, having aversion to the way it is. You know, all of these ways that our minds can get triggered by. Okay, so we'll start right in with that. And I this time I'm, I'm just going to choose... Um, people that aren't necessarily in those categories of neutral, benefactor, I'll I'll direct you with um, maybe more specific kinds of individuals and see how that works. So bringing our attention again to our heart center, and letting the attention relax in that area. And having a simple intention to do the best we can to incline the mind towards equanimity, that balance and spacious acceptance of things as they are at this time or in this moment. And also to notice and turn that equanimity practice towards any reactivity that's arising and inclining towards equanimity about that place in our hearts that's blaming, criticizing, judging, resisting, clinging. Just accepting that in and of itself. So let's begin with calling up in our minds and our hearts someone in our lives who's elderly. It could be a mentor or a benefactor, like a teacher, or it could be someone like a grandparent 
and just reflecting on old age and the things that come with it in connection with this elderly person. Just acknowledging the various things that you notice about this person. It may not cause a big wave in your heart of reactivity, but it's a fact, old age and what comes with it. And sometimes our hearts can have subtle places of closing down or non-acceptance. So bringing this person clearly to mind, acknowledging whatever it is to be acknowledged around this fact of this person growing older and the things this person has to face. And then using a phrase that helps us to open our hearts even more than it may already be open with acceptance. May my heart open with balance to how it is for you at this time in your life. I care about you and know that this is how it is for you. And noticing how it is in your own heart. What's your heart's relationship to the situation of this person? Is there sadness? Maybe there is balance. Is there fear? 
discomfort. Is there resistance? Whatever there is, opening to that with balance as well. This is the nature of my heart right now. Taking your own time with those two areas. Inwardly, outwardly.
Moving on when you're ready to another individual. Perhaps choosing someone that has a health concern, a health challenge. Making sure you choose someone that you're not going to be overwhelmed with. take some time to acknowledge that person's situation. Allowing our hearts and minds to actually face it. May I accept how it is for you with balance and care. May I be at ease with the conditions of your life. And again, from time to time, turning towards your own heart. Is there sadness, anxiety, fear? Is there okayness? Is there worry? Facing that as well. This is the nature of my own mind and heart right now. 
Moving on to the next individual. Choosing a person whose behavior causes a judging or a criticizing in your own heart. Criticizing, judging that person. So bring this person up in your mind's eye, the field of your attention. And focus first on just acknowledging this person, the way this person is perceived by you. Particular kind of behavior. Or maybe there was a situation that you remember clearly. Just acknowledging that. All beings have their own journey. And this is your journey at this time. It's how it is for you. May I open my heart with balance to how it is for you. From time to time, turning your attention to your own heart, to the judging, criticizing, and opening to that. 
this is how it is for me right now. Moving on to the next individual, more in the difficult person realm. This could be someone that you feel you've been criticized by, someone you feel is judging you or has judged you. Maybe there's some thorn that's still in your own mind and heart. Be sure to choose someone that isn't overwhelming to you. And just acknowledge the fact of this. You may remember a particular instance, that's okay. Or it may be just an acknowledgement. This is the nature of how it is for you. May I be more balanced around that.
Turning your attention to your own heart and mind. Noticing what's there in relationship to that person. Hurt or anger, fear, anxiety, confusion. May I accept these moments with balance. And moving on to oneself as the last individual. And just acknowledging now all the various ways that your own heart gets activated by outer conditions. Perhaps you've come to know your own heart more intimately. And developing a sense of balance around what has been seen in your own heart. This is how it is in the unfolding of my heart. May I open to it with balance.
and then opening to this time in your life in general. This is how it is for me at this time in my life. May I open with balance to how my journey unfolds. And then taking the last few minutes to offer loving kindness, staying with oneself, if you can. May I be safe and protected on this journey of awakening. May love and wisdom always protect me. And just as I wish this for myself, I wish the same for all of those around me at this moment. May all the beings here immediately around me in the whole room. May you all be safe and protected from all harm. From the inner harm of greed, hatred, and delusion. From the outer harm of the world. May all beings at this retreat center be peaceful and happy, radiating loving kindness as much as we can. By energy, through a phrase, bringing into this field of loving-kindness all of our dear ones, family and friends. May you take care of yourselves easefully. 
May your goodness always protect you. And bringing into this circle anyone that you would especially like yourself and everyone here to offer loving kindness to just by intention offering our loving kindness to our own individual among all the other individuals everyone else brings forth at this moment May you all be safe from all harm. Healthy and strong of body as much as possible. May all beings in all directions be peaceful, happy. May we dedicate all of the beneficial energy that we have developed today for the benefit and the liberation of all beings everywhere. So any questions today about your practice? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the the uh, comment is that in facing someone who has been judging you, right? Or you that you're judging, it's difficult for you to say a particular fa- phrase because it seems to imply that you're accepting the content. Yeah, so it would be helpful to change that phrase so and frame it in such a way that it doesn't do that to your mind, that you know that you're not accepting the content of that. It's just accepting the fact that it's happening. Yeah, just the very fact that it's happening. So it's not accepting that the content of any judgment is right or to be believed. So is there a way that you can do that? Another phrase you can put it in or a framework you can put it in? 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when you say about what's happening in your heart, I accept that this is the way that it is in my heart. I just want to understand clearly, you are merely accepting that you feel that way, right? It's not that what they're saying is true or what you're saying is true. You're merely accepting that you feel that way. Okay, so that's okay with that phrase. But you're having a difficulty with a phrase towards that person. So what phrase have you been using? Mm-hmm. What's another way you can do it? I'll let you work on it. Okay. Yeah. So change that. How would you then change it? I'm just... Yeah. Sometimes if you... Um, underst- you can say the same phrase and understand it differently, too. Yeah. So it could be that um, a person that you're judging, right, because that person's behavior is in a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just putting myself in your shoes, that I might say to that person silently to myself, Uh, this is the way your behavior is. It's that way. That's the way you perceive it. And you're not, you're saying, may I be balanced around that. Yeah. So it's inclining towards being balanced around that person's behavior. Anything else? Uh-huh. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. So you were shocked about feeling your Well, it's just I'm so much more calm. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. It's still so intense, and you still don't feel balance around it. I'm just repeating what you said, yeah. And it's shocking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes we go to deeper layers of it. You know, it's, it's so we see that there's more layers underneath. I'm not sure because I'm not in your heart, but uh, that could be what's happening. Sometimes, too, with, equi- with uh, metta practice, we open to it, but metta practice can... 
sometimes um, be a nice layer over it. It can do that. And it can be uh, mitigating it somehow or making it easier to be with somehow. But when the metta isn't there and it's just being faced with uh, either vipassana, bare attention, or equanimity, which is a very close support of uh, vipassana or sati or bare attention, it can just really starkly face it without any, um, you know, the, the easy layering of metta. So we face it more starkly. That's what I experience with it. And the ability to just touch it every once in a while with that equanimity, that just kind of stark balance that this is how it is. This is how it is over and over and over again. It Actually, the touching it over and over and over again brings that balance because the mind becomes more familiar with it in a good way. Yeah. Yes? Use. Yes, uh huh. Yeah, so you might go directly there to oneself. Like in, in the progression, I go to oneself last. Yeah, but you might want to do that. Yeah. In fact, you know, with every person that I'm, use, I'm bringing up, I keep going back to oneself. Yeah. So, but you may want to just go to that particular place immediately at any time. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of layers that get uncovered. Mm -hmm. The traditional phrase, yeah. All beings are owners of their actions. Their happiness or unhappiness depends upon their actions and not upon my wishes. So so I want to put this in the context of the four Brahma-viharas too, the metta or loving-kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and then equanimity, uh, which is the last one. It said that equanimity is the crown or the queen or the king of all the Brahma-viharas because when we have done everything we can, uh, when we have offered our metta, when we, uh, when it's when that is a situation to offer our metta in, when it's suffering, and we offer and we do something about our with our compassion, or when it's joy and we've done everything with our joy, and still we see that our hearts are still not at ease somehow then it's said that we go to compassion practice. And um, that was in, in the case that you just brought forth too, that when we see that metta is not enough, then we go to equanimity, it is said, the Buddha said. So um, that has to do with the last part of that phrase, that your happiness or unhappiness depends upon your actions and not upon my wishes or goodwill. 
So no matter how much goodwill we put forth, no matter how much good action, and no matter what we do, we have to fall back on the understanding that how their life unfolds depends in huge part upon their karma, upon their actions. We still do everything we can, but we have to keep in our hearts and our minds the understanding that how it's unfolding for them is hugely dependent upon what they do in their lives, the intentions and the actions that accompany those intentions in their life, basically. Conditions? Yes, yes, the the free will of the person and what choices that person makes determines the conditions of their life. So that's um, un- karma. Yeah, that's a big, big subject. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, there are causes and conditions, and not all of those causes come from the in- our own intention. You know, there are many conditions. There's weather patterns, there's the food we eat, there's many, many conditions. So one thing the Buddha said, uh, which gets me out of answering this question, (laughs) is if you think about this too much, your head will explode. So (laughs) it's very, it, it is beyond our reckoning. It's really beyond our reckoning. So to, to try to think, why is this happening to this person? Um, yeah, we, get, we can get all tied up in knots. So we can see in this lifetime, um, we can see the causes and conditions that have come together to make this particular th- thing come about in this person's life. But the, there are... Um, countless causes and conditions that we don't we don't know of i mean even in this person's life how their mind works the choices that they've made so it's beyond our reckoning what we can know is what's coming up and we can know that and what we can know for sure what's coming up in our own lives how we respond to that will make our future. That future moment will become the present. Then we respond to that present moment. And how we respond to that present moment will create again our future. So we at some time may be able to see that our past and our future are all conditioned upon this present moment. And that, in, in short, that's karma. We can respond. Every time we respond to the present moment situation, 
with a choice, that choice involves intention, right? I mean, that's common sense. An intention accompanied by an unwholesome state of mind produces unpleasant results. This is the nature of how things are. An intention accompanied by a wholesome state of mind produces pleasant results. So we can see in every moment we don't know exactly what the past karmic conditions were, but we can see in every moment if it's unpleasant, it usually is connected with some unwholesome state of mind. Not totally, but in part, because there are causes and conditions. So we can carry that out to the future. So what we're doing here is developing wholesome states of mind with metta, compassion, sympathetic joy, equanimity, mindfulness, and all of those will bear fruit. Yes? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I I thought you might be saying self-judgment in a kind of being honest about yourself. Yeah, but you're saying it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, the painful kind. Mm-hmm. So then there's another area, there's another layer of the onion, so to speak, of the mind to bring equanimity to that self-judgment. And that happens a lot. It's amazing in this very highly intelligent society, you know, that we have a lot of self-judgment. So that may be something to bring equanimity to as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would, if, if it's a situation where you're feeling overwhelmed, just in this practice, we're just practicing here. So when, when we're faced with it in daily life, we may have, you know, a better way to respond and not react. If you're overwhelmed, then choose another person. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, reminding you, even during the sitting, that don't go to a person where you feel overwhelmed. Yeah. Okay. Can it be equanimous not to accept? Yeah. So 
I'm presuming that you're talking about not to accept behavior that's harmful, not to tolerate behavior that's harmful. Right. So it's when we say, I accept, you know, that this is happening. It's not saying that you accept that 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 person's harmful behavior is right. You're not saying that that person's harmful behavior is right. You're just saying that I accept that this is happening. Say it again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I see. Yeah. This... Yeah. Um, yes. There's dis- there's a, that's right, and there's a difference between discernment and judging mind. So when the discerning mind says, this action is harmful. Yeah, that's, that's true, that this action is harmful. But we can, in the discerning mind, we can sort of separate the action from the person, that that person isn't totally a jerk, you know, just in some area, maybe a blind spot. Yeah, it's so hard. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. Their action we can still discern as harmful. This action is harmful, no doubt about that. There's no question about that this action is harmful. Yeah. But we don't have to um, make that person totally bad or totally, you know, totally a jerk. (laughs) You're a jerk when you're doing this action. (laughs) Maybe that's a little improvement. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Okay, so just go from there. Yeah. All right. So time for walking. Thank you.